0: And now, the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio, here's your host, Patricia Raskin.
1: Hi, everyone, and welcome back. Now we're going to talk about how we can achieve peace and happiness through a process of meditation and writing and expanding our consciousness. You know, life in our information age pushes us into this very hyperactive mode, and we're just continually distracted with digital and we can't catch our breath, we're making appointments all the time, we don't even talk to people as much as we used to, we're consumed with all this information and we really don't have the moments of mental stillness in our frenzied lifestyles that we need to. So today my guest is Dr. Peter Borton and he and his wife, Dr. Pete, uh, Pete Brianna and Dr. Peter Borton are healers and creators of the wellness brand, The Dragon Tree which is a blueprint for getting beyond our mental clutter and instead inviting spaciousness into our awareness. Their new book is called Rituals for Transformation. It's a 108-day journey to your sacred life, and it's designed as a workbook intended to uncover a higher consciousness. It gives you a structure for safely challenging your mental limitations and exploring new perspectives and possibilities. Dr. Peter Borton is a doctor of Asian medicine who helps people attain whole health of body and mind. He's authored hundreds of articles spanning topics such as stress, emotional wellness, nutrition, fitness, and other connection. And Brianna is a mastery coach, and she's certified practitioner of Ayurvedic medicine with an extensive background in coaching. And they are also authors, both of them, of the book, The Well Life which is uh, Simon and Schuster. So (laughs) welcome, Dr. Peter Borton. Nice to have you.
2: Thanks, Patricia. I'm happy to be here.
1: Yeah. I I was telling you before the break that um, the book is really gorgeous. It's this gorgeous hardcover book. It's got this beautiful sort of turquoise, ocean-like blend of color with white and gold lettering, and it's really a journal. It's basically a journal. I mean, there's some writing in it, but there's a lot of journalistic aspects, so you can just take it with you and write in it. It's really quite beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. So let's talk about how, um, I know that ideally readers would take 10 to 30 minutes a day, probably in the morning, to reflect on a lesson, and that they're in progression. How did you come up with the lessons and the progression of them?
2: Well, um, they emerged from a number of places, uh, from our own studies and our own clinical work with people, uh, that revealed the kinds of inquiries and changes uh, that were most—I um, don't know—most most dramatic for people. Uh, and then a lot of the clarity came through our own meditation practices. Really, sort of feeling into um, how these should be laid out. And uh, and that's one of the gifts of meditation is, is that it brings you a, a sense of clarity around things.
1: In terms of how this how you started. You know, the first one you talk about, love your body. I think that was, well, no, that's not the very first one. I think the first one is about gratitude, and it's being grateful about your body. So you pick the body first, which is interesting. Before you pick the mind, you pick the body first.
2: Yeah. So, there are a few reasons for that, but, um, one framework for understanding the many levels of self that uh, we like comes from the Tantric tradition, which is uh, essentially the foundation of many Eastern uh, religions. And um, there's it, it explains that um, moving outward, uh, our, our innermost self is this kind of absolute consciousness that has no differentiation, no individuation. And then um, moving outward from there to... Uh, like the the level of our energy and then the level of our mind and feelings, um, the body is really sort of the outermost layer of yourself. And uh, that's why we decided to start there, because um, it's kind of the most superficial part of all that you are. And at the same time, a lot of people um, have some serious challenges around body identity and all the ways in which maybe we blame our bodies for not looking or feeling or performing the way that we want them to. Mm-hmm. Um, so we hope to first lead people through a process of getting to a, a place of peace in their relationship with their body. And then we get into the mind after that.
1: Yeah. And, it, and do you think part of that is because you know, we are in our body, I mean, yes, we can certainly meditate and go on, work on other levels, other consciousness levels, but we're living here on earth in this, in this body. So, you know, this is what we see. This is what we feel.
2: Absolutely. It's, uh, we would never want anybody to deny the reality of the body just because they've achieved levels of consciousness in meditation, for instance, that allow them to understand that they're more than their body. That shouldn't be include a denial of the body. Uh, in fact, in that same system I was just discussing, the body is really considered to be the only layer of yourself through which you can experience all of the more subtle layers. If, you've, if you're sort of identified in one of these more subtle layers of who you are, like in meditation then um, you can't at the same time be perceiving the physical expression of yourself. Mm-hmm. And sometimes people get really deeply into meditation and they kind of lose touch with the the physical layer, you know, to the degree that they neglect their body or they, they deny their body in a way that isn't really the kindest way to treat it, let's say.
1: Yeah, very important. So you start with that. And I know in the first part, you talk about, um, and then you talk also about, I'm grateful for my body, but I'm not my body. And then what are the ways I withhold approval from my body? And then what are the ways I love my body? I mean, and then you talk about stretching. So really, I mean, you really work with many aspects. And then you move on to the inner critic, which I think is, and and your mind, which I think is interesting. Talk about that.
2: Well, we all have an inner critic, and frequently our inner critic sabotages us, or at least it sabotages uh, the quality of our experience of life um, at a level that we don't really perceive. It undermines our happiness, and yet we're not able to see it happen, and so it just continues for years, maybe our entire life. Sometimes the inner critic is kind of an internalized expression of the criticisms we've gotten from our parents or our teachers or our peers. Um, Our purpose in getting into the inner critic work here is to guide people to notice it, to actually see the specific words that they say to themselves in their mind Because only by bringing it like above the radar in that way and really seeing what are you actually saying to yourself all day long, uh, is there the potential to challenge that, to change it, to stop it. Um, As long as it continues unseen, unheard, um, it continues to sabotage us.
1: So basically what you're doing is you're saying to people, let's look at this right i mean let's let's really look at this and look at it honestly without judgment which is not always an easy thing to do peter you know oh no it,
2: yeah
1: um, it isn't so, and,
2: uh, especially because the inner critic is very often such a familiar voice in our minds mm-hmm. That, mm-hmm. you know there's a there might even be an unwillingness to relinquish it because it's it's there so much of the time and it comes from an, an honest desire to protect ourselves. It's like your mind is saying you, you, you don't look good and the reason why I'm telling you that is because other people are going to tease you for it. So let's just do the criticism here in in your own home before you go out so that you can prepare yourself in some way for how the world is going to treat you. And uh, Frequently we encourage people to respond uh in a way uh, in, in a gentle way where you there's a recognition that on some level, however misguided, your mind really is looking out for your own survival. And so you're saying to yourself, "Thank you, I appreciate it, and I can take it from here. Maybe yes. I, this is, these criticisms are coming from outdated beliefs or perceptions, and so
1: and I, I've I got think this. too yeah and I think too for me because I've had some voices screaming at me and as I get more of a handle on it and I release those beliefs they're still there but they're softer so they'll come in and I'm able to say you know what yes it's true but I'm I'm working on it and it's going to be okay rather than this
2: oh my god (laughs) you know exactly and and, And, yeah go ahead you know I think it's that's an important point you make that I, I don't think it's that the goal should be to eliminate this completely. Right. That I, 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 you know, I'll only be satisfied when these criticisms never come up anymore. The, the ideal outcome um, is, is much more related to how you manage it when it comes up, when it does come up. And inevitably, during times of stress, um, they'll come up again, and it's all about how you respond when that happens.
1: Yeah, very true. All right, we've got a couple minutes before break. So, how do we set positive intentions for the day? You know, particularly if we wake up, we don't feel well, or we're, you know, we woke up, we had a bad dream. How do we set those positive intentions, Peter?
2: Well, especially if it's a a situation like you mentioned where we're not in a positive state as it is, um, sometimes we can invite. A sort of cognitive dissonance if we just start repeating some sort of affirmation telling ourselves that everything is great and the evidence doesn't, you know, doesn't seem to support that. Um, So we don't usually tell people, oh, just say, you know, my life is absolutely perfect. If it doesn't feel that way, if it doesn't feel that way, then uh, I have people make an intention statement that's more like inviting yourself or allowing yourself to shift into a more positive state, like, uh, or, or to recognize what's working right now, rather than focusing always on what's not working. So, if you wake up and you feel crummy, you know, you might say, "My intention for the day is to uh, allow myself to experience increasing ease throughout my day." Or, uh, you know, or if it's that uh, you know, you wake up and you feel anxious about something. That, um, you know, my intention today is to notice all the ways in which I'm blessed or all the ways in which my life is working.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so true. All right, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're talking to Dr. Peter Borton about his new book with his wife, Brianna, called Rituals for Transformation, A 108 Day Journey to Your Sacred Life. And when we come back, we're going to talk about why a writing practice enhances self-awareness and what to expect, you know, when you feel mental turmoil. And we're going to talk about anger and what transformation really is and how we can how we can heal. You're listening to The Patricia Raskin Show right here on voiceamerica.com, America's Voice. We'll be back with Dr. Peter Borton, who is the co-author with his wife, Brianna, of the book Rituals for Transformation. Stay tuned. We'll be right back.
0: Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com.
3: What makes a great leader? Most have a vision. One that starts beyond the resources available and continues from that point into developing a solid plan, organization, and company
2: Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel.
0: Follow us on Twitter at Voice America TRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's Voice America TRN. You are listening to The Patricia Raskin Show. If you wish to call into our program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That number again is 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com. Now, back to The Patricia Raskin Show. Hi, everyone,
1: and we are back. We are talking to Dr. Peter Borton, who is the co-author with his wife, Brianna, of the brand new book, Rituals for Transformation, a 108-day journey to your sacred life. And it's just a very beautiful, beautiful book that's very much like a journal. They are the creators of the Rituals for Living online community and Daraqui, a holistic wellness brand with books, courses, and spas in Portland and Boulder. Brianna is a mastery coach and certified practitioner of Ayurvedic medicine and Peter, Dr. Peter Borton is a doctor of Asian medicine. He helps people attain whole health of body and mind and has authored many articles on stress and emotional wellness, and nutrition and fitness, and connecting with nature. They're also authors of Well Life. So the new book, again, is Rituals for Transformation, a 108-Day Journey to your sacred life. Welcome back,
2: Peter. Thanks, Patricia.
1: Okay, all right. So let's, um, let's talk about the practice of writing and why that's so important.
2: Yeah, it's an interesting thing. The way we become wired as we learn to write as children, um, the connection between your brain and your hand and the particular ways that you end up forming your letters. um, It's like bringing your ideas out through your body and putting them on paper. And something transformative happens when we do that. It's different than just thinking about something. When we write it down, it becomes more real for us. And there have been tons of studies on the benefits of journaling. It helps people Um, release the past. It improves our discipline and our concentration. People tend to achieve their goals more effectively. It encourages creativity and emotional intelligence and self-awareness and a lot more.
1: Mm. What about also, I think the other part of this in the writing is reflecting on the positive things in your life. When you reflect on those positive experiences and your mind relives it, what happens to you chemically? I mean, in terms of neuroscience, what happens to your brain?
2: Well, one thing that it does is it changes, it it tends to sort of disperse uh, neurological pathways that we get trapped in that support more negative survival based thinking. So most of the time, Um, We focus on what's wrong in our lives because it's the way our brain works is to always be vigilant for danger. Um, Hmm. Noticing things that are good doesn't have the same level of priority because there's no threat involved there. And when we activate survival mechanisms, um, it, they tend to go along with stronger imprints on our neurological system uh, mm-hmm. because of the emotional intensity involved and because of the emergency kind of feeling that goes along with them and the the way that our neurons link together to, um, to form uh, a combination of thoughts and feelings and behaviors uh, become more deeply and deeply imprinted in us the more times we run through them. And so it, it sort of becomes like a rut in a road where, you know, you, whether you like it or not, your, your tire is going to get guided into that rut. And uh, if we do something different by starting to focus on what's working in our lives, um, we begin to break that habit
1: Hmm. Yeah, very true. You know, something's interesting I like to bring up because this is happening for me. I've been going through my basement, going through a lot of old things, you know, from the past 20, 25, 30 years. And, you know, there was a part of me that was, oh, do I really want to go through all that? And it's interesting because it's done a lot of good for me. It's made me really see what was there, what was really good. Yeah, there were some things that weren't. but the good memories are what's there. You know, the pictures and the the writings and and I, and I that's really helped me. You know, it's helped me to whatever wasn't working then, it's helped me to see but look at what you've left here. You know, look at these great pictures and look at these books and look at these articles and look at these. So that has really helped me. And I, I think it's what you're saying and I think sometimes we don't look at that because we've looked at what didn't work.
2: Absolutely. I think it's it's a really vital uh, process for people to go through. and um, you know the the psychologist Eric Erickson, who was uh, a contemporary of of Freud, he was a little bit later, um, developed the this uh, system of um, understanding development through different stages, and uh, that of the middle adulthood of. Roughly 40 through 65 or so, um, we're faced with this crisis, as he calls it, of either being generative or uh, self-absorptive or stagnant. That is, mm. we either we either you know look to what kind of ways can we contribute. Can we contribute to the younger generation or can we give back or we become self-absorbed and that leads to a certain Mm -hmm. kind of stagnation. And I think what you're talking about is a really important uh, process in producing a more generative state of mind to to look back at what Mm -hmm. you've done and seeing the ways that you've contributed. And then that's followed by the late adult stage um, where that that becomes even more... Vital because as people become older and they leave the workforce, they can easily experience a, a feeling of despair if they feel like they're not, they don't have any value anymore. But if they're able to look back at their lives and see how they contributed, um, they feel a sense of fulfillment.
1: Mm. All right, what would you like to leave our listeners with? I know this this book, very much rituals for transformation, is applicable to everyone, regardless of age religious belief or circumstance. It's universal messages of gratitude and oneness and it will help us expand our perspective we think and look at the big picture. And to really look at our highest consciousness. So what would you like to leave our listeners with today about this wonderful book, Rituals for Transformation, Hundred and Eight Day Journey to Your Sacred Life?
2: Well um as much as I would like people to be able to spend a good chunk of time every day doing this kind of work, I think that being realistic about the pace of our lives today, um, you, can, you can just spend, you know, even if you've only got five to 15 minutes or so to tune in and quiet your mind, um, it can really make a qualitative difference in your life. And what we've seen in our practices is that regardless of whether people achieve their big goals in life, and we want them to do that, of course, um, uh, one's internal perspective has a much stronger bearing on their satisfaction and experience of life than on their outward circumstances. And so the biggest transformations we've seen in people have been where they really uh, got to a place of Experiencing a lot more freedom, letting the world be as it is, letting themselves be as it is, n- not not letting go of wanting to make the world a better place, but forgiving and letting go. And that kind of perspective uh, inevitably brings a greater sense of peace and happiness to people, no matter you know, whether they're extremely rich or super accomplished or have a beautiful body or, or not. How can
1: people find your of? book?
2: They can uh, go to ritualsfortransformation.com or um, to learn more about kind of everything we do, they can go to thedragontree.com.
1: Okay. Thank you so much, Peter, for being on the program. Thank you so Thanks much. for having me. Th- thank you, Dr. Peter Horton and his wife, Brianna. Rituals for Transformation, 108-day journey to your sacred life. Stay on the line for a minute stay healthy, stay happy, get the support you need and know you can make your dreams come true like me on Facebook, Patricia Raskin, Raskin resources, write to me, Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com and I'll put you on my newsletter list and I'm creating podcasts for people so if you're interested in that go to my homepage, PatriciaRaskin.com would love to work with you, until next time, have a great week, bye for now